We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. And welcome to this Wednesday edition of AFA at the Core. Fred Jackson sitting in for Walker today. Another busy news day. We'll try to take you through the highlights just as quickly as we can to bring you up to date. How many of you remember when Donald Trump was president of the United States and he often talked about the swamp, referring to all life in Washington, D.C.? Deep state. You heard a lot about those things. And, of course, the mainstream media kind of just dismissed it. That's just Donald Trump. And he's just imagining this idea of, you know, Democrats taking over the Justice Department, Justice Department uh, using its muscle to go after the political enemies of the Democratic Party, etc., etc. Well, there was a jury trial over the last couple of weeks in Washington, D.C. You may have heard of it. And I say you may have heard of it uh, because a lot of the mainstream media really didn't cover it until the jury made its decision in the last 24 hours. Now, what I'm talking about is Michael Sussman. Michael Sussman was one of those fingered in the John Durham investigation into how we got into the Robert Mueller investigation, allegations about Russia helping Donald Trump get elected in, uh, in 2016. So Michael Sussman, in September of 2016, so we're talking in a couple of months before the election of 2016, he calls up some friends at the FBI on a Sunday night, Michael Sussman does, who also, uh, I need to mention right off the top, happens to be working at the time for the Hillary Clinton campaign, okay? So he calls up friend, James Baker, at the FBI, and he says, I'd like to come over and see you tomorrow morning uh, because I, I got some juicy stuff that I'd like to share with you, all right? So, you know, James Baker knows this guy, so he says, sure, come on over. So they sit down. And they start talking, and Michael Sussman says, I'm here on my own. Hey, I'm not working for anybody. I'm here all by, you know, on my own. I'm just concerned about the country. And I, I want to tell you that I, I've come across information that seems to link Donald Trump with the Russians, and the Russians are helping him win this campaign against Hillary Clinton. All right, that meeting happens. There's the investigation, of course, fast-forwarding now, several years, investigation by John Durham, and he fingers Michael Sussman because the allegation is that Michael Sussman lied to the FBI, lied to the FBI when he told James Baker at the FBI that he, he was there on his own because paperwork and there was proof that Michael Sussman was actually acting on behalf of the Clinton campaign. In fact, there was evidence presented that Michael Sussman 
build Hillary's campaign for that meeting with James Baker. So they go through this trial last week, and there were some interesting aspects over the last couple of weeks of this trial. Only a bit of it got covered by the mainstream media because, you know, here's my speculation. They really didn't want somebody who worked for Hillary Clinton looking bad. So they kind of stepped back from it. There were some days, like I say, they didn't cover it at all. Long story short, the jury got the got the uh, got the case last Friday. They deliberated for a few hours. I'm using that word loosely. Deliberated for a few hours, and they came back and they found Michael Sussman not guilty. Not guilty of lying to the FBI and the fact that he was there. Now, how does that happen? Well, it goes back to what I said earlier. You see, here's the thing. What we have learned from this trial, if you didn't know it already, it is hard to get a jury in the District of Columbia that isn't biased towards the Democratic Party and Democrat causes. And here's why. More than 70% of the registered voters in Washington, D.C., register as Democrats. So even before the verdict came down yesterday, it was kind of known, and even before the trial began, many people were skeptical that John Durham and his legal team would get a conviction. The reason being, it'd be hard to find a jury. In fact, what we know now is that there were people on the jury that donated to Hillary Clinton's uh, campaign. That was known before the trial began, but the Obama-appointed judge said, I don't have a problem with that. Do you understand when people talk about stacked? Well, this was stacked against John Durham. I want you to hear a, a couple of legal experts, how they've responded to all of this. Just so you know the magnitude of this, we talked to Jay Christian Adams, very familiar voice here on American Family Radio about this Sussman verdict. Cut one. That's part of the problem with cases brought in D.C. is, you know, the whole town is a swamp town. And either you get people who, I mean, I think that some of the jurors, like their kids knew each other. And another one, like two or three of them were Hillary donors. And I mean, sorry, you're not going to get a conviction when that happens. Yeah. So there you have it. <laughs> You talk about incestuous. That's the way to describe things in D.C. when it comes to legal cases like this, because basically it is controlled by a Democratic Party-leading town, Justice Department, and certainly difficult to find a jury. Political analyst Greg Jarrett of Fox News Legal also had some things to say about this verdict cut, too. As soon as the jury was picked, I said on our air that this case is headed for jury nullification, which is when a jury decides to ignore the facts and the evidence, repudiate the rule of law, and perversely acquit a guilty person for partisan political reasons. And that's precisely what happened. This was a jury that was stacked with Hillary Clinton supporters and, believe it or not, Hillary Clinton campaign donors and, of course, the campaign paid for Michael Sussman, the defendant's uh, peddling of phony information to the FBI. In other words, think of it this way. 
money from the pockets of some of the jurors went into the pockets of the defendants. So how in the world mm -hmm. they were not disqualified is utterly confounding. But the judge appointed by Obama said, oh, gee, I, it's fine. They can serve, wink, wink, to the defense table and thus the result. Now, one more comment, then I want to come back and just make a few observations. Uh, cut number three, Matthew Whitaker. Uh, he is a uh, former acting attorney general uh, during the Trump administration. Cut three. That's a little concerning because this looks more like a jury nullification where even though the evidence was overwhelming, even though they, the government proved their case, right. that the jury just decided that this wasn't a case worth pursuing and therefore they were, you know, and remember 12 of them voted unanimously not guilty. So that means that, you know, even though the evidence says we know it, which is he, you know, said in that text message, but he had also gone up and testified on Capitol Hill under oath that he was representing a client and his billing records showed that. So, I mean, this, this case to me, uh, factually and, and legally, was a slam dunk case. But as I had said earlier, leading up to this jury verdict, uh, this jury was going to be very difficult for Durham and his team to get a conviction. But All right. A couple of observations. Uh, I'm not aware of any of the mainstream media covering uh, some of the testimony in the last 10 days on a particular day when the Durham prosecution called Robbie Mook to the stand. Who's Robbie Mook? Robbie Mook is no less than Hillary Clinton's campaign manager in 2016. He confirmed that Hillary Clinton signed off on this charade about a contact between the Trump campaign and the Russians. She signed off on that. And further, and this go, went all the way to the White House, folks, going back to July of 2016. you got to be aware of that. Here's the other aspect of this swamp-based jury. It is uh, very good if you're a Democrat. It's very bad if you're a Republican. And my thought went to those who are sitting in prison cells in Washington, D.C., in the wake of January 6th of 2021. Are you aware that at some point they will face a jury trial, some of them at least, there in Washington, D.C.? How fair do you think their trial will be? Some people think injustices are being done already to some of those who are arrested in going up to the Capitol on January 6th. Some of them have been sitting in cells in Washington, D.C., now, we're talking 14, 15 months ago when all of this transpired. And they're sitting in cells. They haven't had a chance for a trial yet. Some of them have trials scheduled in July. That's a year and a half since the alleged infractions occurred. So this is very serious, folks. Is it any wonder why you do have prosecutors that try to get their cases outside? There is one more person coming that we know of from the John Durham uh, investigation, their trial is going to be held in Virginia. So there is some hope that, uh, and I'm not saying at all uh, that this will be the end of the Durham investigation, but that uh, that trial may go a different way because it's going to be a Virginia, uh, Virginia trial. Hey, listen, there's much more to talk about. Coming back after the break... <laughs> 
Joe Biden yesterday, President Joe Biden came up with his plan to fight inflation. Imagine that. So we're going to be talking to Chris Woodward about that. But also, there was another big story yesterday, folks, that you may have missed. You know, one of the concerns of the Trump campaign and his supporters during the election was that there perhaps were some problems with the voting machines. Now, the mainstream media has dismissed that. They're just saying Trump lies, Trump distortions, etc., There is a report coming out on Friday, and the Associated Press has had a look at this, and it's coming from the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, which is a federal government agency. And that report, and we'll get into this a little bit in just a little bit, says there are vulnerabilities. There are vulnerabilities in the system. This, uh, the executive director, Brandon Wales of CISA, and that's the short form for Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, said in a statement that state standard election security procedures would detect exploitation of these vulnerabilities and in many cases would prevent attempts entirely. Yet, the advisory puts a caution out there. University of Michigan computer scientist J. Alex Halderman, who wrote the report, has long argued that using digital technology to record votes is dangerous because computers are inherently vulnerable to hacking and thus require multiple safeguards that aren't uniformly followed. He and many other election security experts have insisted that using hand-marked paper ballots is the most secure method of voting and the only option that allows for meaningful post-election audits. What a confession, folks. You know, people who have questioned the security of these machines have been dismissed so much, but now you have a report from a federal government agency concerned about vulnerabilities of these voting machines and what it could mean. So Lord willing, we'll get uh, a little bit more on that report when we come back after the break. You're listening to AFA at the Court. Fred Jackson sitting in for Walker today. Stand by for much more. And I will make boys their princes, and infants shall rule over them. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. According to an audit tool provided by the software company SparkToro, it has found 49.3% of the 22.4 million followers of Mr. Robinette's official at POTUS Twitter account are fake bot accounts. The information was unearthed due to Elon Musk's due diligence query following his bid to buy Twitter. So the man who got over 81 million votes in the 2020 presidential election, the most popular presidential candidate in American history, can't even get 15 million Twitter followers? Right. Prior to being banned from Twitter, I'm pretty sure former President Trump had over 60 million people following him there. Ain't that something? Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Times, they are a-changing, and life moves fast. If you thought fashion trends change at the drop of a hat, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook would make your head spin. Social media trends dart around the world lightning fast, then they're done and forgotten, like the vapor of life, described in Ecclesiastes. Keeping up with the current cultural moment can leave our kids feeling scrambled and perpetually confused. You see, culture cuts a trench clouding our view of eternity so we can't see the forest for the trees. When she is swayed by cultural winds, remind your girl her roots lie in God and His Word. As cultural trends ripen, burst, and fade, read Isaiah 48, resounding that the Word of the Lord stands forever. Like what you've heard? Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for healthcare can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. And welcome back to the Wednesday edition of AFA at the Core. Fred sitting in for Walker today. So how are you doing at the gas pump today, folks? Um, you know what? Gas went up, what, five cents a gallon. Regular gas. Overnight. Chris Woodward of uh, American Family News joining me in the studio right now. What, 460... Seven four sixty seven is the national average uh, according to AAA, and that's just for regular. Yesterday was four sixty two, so there's your five cents. Wow! A month ago, four dollars eighteen cents. And do you want to know what it was on this day last year? Oh, our our audience wants to know. We were paying rock bottom average three dollar four cents. Yeah, on this day last year. And if you want to go back a couple of years? Wow, we're down in the twos again, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was watching a video this morning of a guy. This was in uh, uh, Southern California, where I think uh, on the sign it was saying over $8 a gallon. Mm-hmm. But he had just, he's, he's, he's a tourist. He's from Florida, visiting California. Why a guy from Florida want to go to California on vacation, I do not know. <laughs> However, uh, he filled up his van, he said, $120 to fill up his van there. And he took a picture and he put it out on social media. And it's just like he's shaking his head. I mean, it's hurting. But, you know, you almost to the point where you're laughing and saying, this is absolute insanity. But, Chris, we've invited you to come in today. Mm -hmm. Because the President of the United States, Joe Biden, yesterday told the world that he's got a solution. Oh, yeah. To our problems. He has a plan for fighting inflation. (laughs) 
That is the headline for his op-ed, which Joe Biden, who sometimes can't string sentences together, uh, wrote an op-ed that is four pages long. So, All right. I, I'm just so relieved that there's a solution just around the corner. What is this solution? Well, uh, that's funny because right off the bat, he blames Vladimir Putin for all of our problems. Oh, okay. And then he throws out the, listen, I know where you're coming from. I grew up in a family where it mattered when the price of gas or groceries rose. He's been saying that since before he was president. Uh-huh. Uh, so on page three of four... Uh, scratch that on the on page two or four down near the bottom he gets into what he calls his three-part plan the first is this the federal reserve has a primary responsibility to control inflation my predecessor demeaned the fed and past presidents have sought to influence its decisions inappropriately during periods of elevated inflation i won't do this i have appointed highly qualified people from both parties to lead that institution I agree with their assessment that fighting inflation is our top economic challenge right now. There is no plan in that paragraph I just read. No, no plan whatsoever. You know, here's what's embarrassing. I was watching a montage of Biden officials over the last several months talking about uh, it just it's a a transition. Is that what they're talking about? They're talking about uh, don't worry Kind of don't worry, be happy, uh, because this inflation thing is going to be over. Now, uh, Jen Yellen, Mm -hmm. Treasury Secretary, right? Yes. She was interviewed by CNN, I think, in the last two days. And she actually said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Uh, I I made a big mistake. Uh, This inflation thing, it's going to go on for a long time. Uh, So these are supposed, these are the experts that the President of the United States put in place. Mm -hmm. But let's face it, um, what's going on here and the American people are not being duped by all the excuses that they're, they're, the Biden administration is putting out there. Mm-hmm. The bottom line in all of this is that Joe Biden, to a great extent, now we're not going to discount the fact that the Ukraine, uh, the Russian-Ukrainian war has created stress. Sure. All right? But the problem began with Joe Biden's war on fossil fuel. Mm-hmm. Because under President Trump, this country was energy independent. In fact, we were shipping uh, gas around to various parts of the world. Right. We were exporting. But now we're going uh, kind of hat in hand to countries like Venezuela. And we're going to OPEC and saying, please, please, will you give us a deal on some oil and gas? We're desperate here. I've always imagined what the response was from the other guys when, like, the Biden administration official, the trade rep, whoever it was, exited the room. Was it like, like, are you, did you just see that? Like, did that really happen? Uh, that would never, you know, I just turned 40. That would never have happened under any administration in my lifetime except for maybe one. Mm. And that would have been Obama. But even Obama went to the southern portion of the Keystone XL pipeline Mm -hmm. and talked about how it was a great thing and it was a part of his all-of-the-above energy strategy. Flash forward, and you got Joe Biden out there saying the Keystone XL as a whole is bad and we need to curb our emissions. A lot of people are unaware of this, and it's kind of an obscure agency called the uh, Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, or FERC is how um, it's pronounced. That's a mouthful. Yes, and uh, they are getting involved in... uh, pipelines and stuff like that they're being accused of playing politics with pipelines they want to uh, have more say over interstate pipelines but more importantly 
They want to start looking into the um, carbon footprint of pipelines, the, the amount of greenhouse gases that go from production of that greenhouse gas to the pipeline construction itself to the carbon footprint of the pipeline once people do maintenance on it and all that other stuff. And a lot of people have been warning in recent days that that's going to only add to the problem out there. But as Joe Biden says, um, you know, the same guy who says, listen, I grew up in a family where we felt it when prices rose wants us to go through a transition. So he's speaking out of both sides of his mouth. Well, let's listen to the president and his very words. Cut number six. When it comes to the gas prices, uh, we're going through an incredible transition that is taking place that, God willing, when it's over, we'll be stronger and the world will be stronger and less reliant on fossil fuels when this is over. That set off alarm bells with a lot of people. And I'm hoping everybody heard that. We're going through a transition. Mm. A lot of people feel that really this White House, almost by design, wants gasoline prices to be high to force people into electric vehicles, mm. and alternate transportation forms. I, I don't think that's a stretch. No, I, I don't think so either. And it's, it's I think one of the things, and government itself never really looks beyond the, the policy they want in place for whatever reason. But um, I don't think anybody in, in power right now has kind of thought, well, what about the, the single mom with a couple of kids? She's working a, a, you know a, maybe as a secretary or she's working in a restaurant and she's driving a car that's old, it's beat up. It probably needs repairs that she can't afford because she's got two kids to feed, right? Well, it's, it's more expensive for her to feed those kids, which means that car is not being managed, overlooked, or whatever else. She can't go get an, an electric vehicle no. and finance it for four or 500 bucks a month plus the insurance that she's going to need because she's financing it. Mm -hmm. But Joe Biden wants her and everybody else to just magically start driving those electric vehicles. Not it's, it's not possible for the common person out there in America who may have actually voted for Joe Biden because he or, the, he or she thought you know, he was going to make things better when it's not. All right, uh, just to go back to uh, Joe Biden's inflation plan, which really isn't a plan at all, you no. talked to uh, Joel Griffith at the Heritage Foundation? Yes, he is an economist at the Heritage Foundation, and he, along with other economists that I also uh, spoke with yesterday, said this plan, so-called plan from Joe Biden, is not a plan at all, is not a plan at all. And in fact, the Fed, through Joe Biden and his policies, is partly to blame for today's inflation. Clip four. He, of course, talked in passing about the Federal Reserve and how they impact inflation, but he didn't mention what's actually driving it. And what's driving it is the fact that politicians passed trillions of dollars worth of spending the last few years, in addition to what they normally spend, and most of that spending was financed by the Federal Reserve, which means you had the Federal Reserve printing up dollars to buy up government debt. So the Fed, without a doubt, deserves a lot of the blame here, because they printed the money. But the other people that deserve blame are the politicians, and these are Republicans and Democrats, that kept approving these spending plans. Yeah, so there you have it. Um, you know, I, I don't think you have to have a Ph.D. in economics to understand what's going on right now. Many people believe the Biden administration is being driven by the far left uh, of his own party, the AOCs of this world, along with Bernie Sanders, and I know He's an independent, but he pushes on the Democrat right. side. So uh, the party is being driven by this radical, the uh, whole environmental movement within that party. Mm -hmm. 
And it seems that they believe they can sell the American public on the idea that these high gasoline prices are actually good for you. Here's the problem. It's not just gasoline. Mm. It is, you know, for those trucks that go to your grocery store to deliver your groceries, they're having to spend more money to get those groceries to the grocery store, and the grocery store is passing it on to you. Not to mention we have a shortage of products. Not to mention it, it is the infant formula crisis that's going on right now. And for a lot of us, we may not have infants in our houses, but I've been watching some of the interviews with moms out there. There's a critical shortage. Some babies need a, because of allergies, need a particular type. Mm-hmm. And here we go again. We are flying MD, uh, McDonnell Douglas 11 heavy jets full of infant formula from Germany into this country. You talk about making the United States vulnerable rather than independent. We're making ourselves more vulnerable to the rest of the world. I cannot understand how the Biden administration hopes to go to the electorate in 12 weeks, thereabouts, and and sell that to voters saying, despite what you may be facing at the gas pump, despite what you may be facing at the grocery store, things are better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they, they continue to deflect everything. Do we have time for one more clip? Okay. Uh, here's a perfect example of none of this is our fault. It's somebody else's. That's the new thing. The buck stops with the other guy. That's their new slogan. Uh, clip five here is going to be Peter Ducey from Fox News talking with White House Press Secretary, uh, the new press secretary, on whether Biden takes some blame for inflation. Clip five. Does President Biden take any responsibility for his policies potentially contributing to inflation? His policies has helped the economy get back on its feet. That's what his policy has his policies has done. Um, this, when we talk about the gas prices right now, this is indeed Putin's gas hike. This is what we have seen in the most recent months of, of what we've seen at the gas pump. And so that is a fact. We have seen about 60% increase uh, uh, in the past several months and because of uh, the amassing and his invasion of Ukraine. And so the president, his goal right now and what he is frustrated about is what the, peop- what the American people have to go through and what they are trying to deal with as they are, as they are, are around their kitchen table. So that is his focus right now. Let's circle back there to something she said at the beginning, and that is his policies has helped people. That's how she worded it. Yes. Some people might say have helped. Grammar teachers are going nuts right now. Yeah, make grammar great again. (laughs) Okay, so we got that. So so we have that situation. Now, gas was already up uh, a dollar um, prior to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. It was up a dollar-ish on average, um, before Russia invaded Ukraine, which was in February. In this news cycle, it feels like two years ago. But uh, so gas was already up. And part of that was because the government, through Biden and the blessing of Republicans in Congress, as well as Democrats, they printed money and they sent it out there in the in the idea that it was going to help people. So you had more dollars chasing a certain or diminishing number of goods. That is, by definition, inflation. So he is partly to blame here for this problem, but they constantly deflect to Russia, which has contributed to the rise in oil. Um, But they also turn it around and bring it to the kitchen table issue and say, he knows, he cares, whatever else. He does not care. 
because nothing in his lifestyle he has to pay for. Mm-hmm. We pay for his travel. Mm-hmm. We pay his salary. We give him a house to live in. He doesn't feel the pain that Joe Sixpack or Jane Sixpack in Paducah, Kentucky feels mm-hmm. because he's living on somebody else's dime and he's done it for 50 years. Yep. Well, we'll see. You know, uh, the uh, the jury will be out in November and we'll see what the jury comes back with with regards to this. The <clears throat> prediction of the experts is that, you know, the Democrats are likely to lose the House and maybe maybe the Senate as well. We'll see what happens. I understand that uh, tensions are high in the White House uh, because the blame game has started. Well, and supposedly between... he and the First Lady fight through text messages. Yep. So that way— They don't call it text, though. They call it— Fexting. Fexting. That was a new one for me. Yeah, it was for me too. I'm not. I'm not up to speed with the, what the kids are saying on TikTok. Yeah. Hey, listen. We got a few minutes before you have to run. I know you're a sport fan. Yes. Detroit Tigers are playing at home tonight. Are you ready for this? The fans are being urged to donate to organizations that push puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and perform body mutilating surgeries on youth. Are you ready for this? What in the world is Major League Baseball doing with these programs? Yeah, well, Major League Baseball, um, you know, they, they've been getting more and more involved. The franchises have uh, franchises have uh, with these kind of social issues, woke issues. A number of teams put out statements on gun violence, as they worded it, uh, since the shooting in Texas. Uh, this one coincides with the launch of Pride Month. So you're going to see probably more franchises do something like this, or at least at least donate a portion of you know ticket sales, uh, merchandise sales, stuff like that. So you know don't just pass judgment on the Detroit Tigers, uh, who by the way are not a very good team this year, statistics wise. But and I'm know, sure this will help them. Probably coming to a franchise near you. Yeah, right. All right, folks. Time for you to weigh in on all of this, whether you're a baseball fan. Or you're just disgusted with uh, Joe Biden's uh, tablecloth issues. It costs you a thousand dollars just to drive to the game. Yeah, I tell you what, triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty is the number to call. Triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty on this June one edition of AFA at the Core. Triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. Like to hear from you when we come back after the break. Busy to catch your favorite shows on the radio? Have no fear, because the AFR app is here. Download the app to have access to live broadcast, music streaming, as well as each podcast. Whether you're at work, at home, or on the go, it's easy to listen to AFR. The AFR app is available not only for Apple and Android users, but also on Amazon Alexa and Roku. Download the AFR app today at AFR.net. What does the American Family Association stand for? We believe true morality flows from biblical principles and directs people to the manner in which God intends them to live. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. 
Thank you for standing with us as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values. The thing that solidified the reality that you were my wife was your heart for God. When the scripture says, he that finds a wife. So I began conferring with my pastor in New Orleans the whole time. I, yeah. I would tell him about you, tell him when we, you know, when we spend time together. And he said, Abe, spend some time praying and ask God to reveal her heart to you and write down what the Lord shows you, and which is what I did. It was all God. It was really God because when you did that, you followed the instruction of your pastor and God revealed to you who I was. God showed you things that you couldn't have known at that moment in our short time meeting each other. I was so grateful because it showed me that you hear from God. And I was at that moment convinced that the only place to live is in the middle of God's will. Like I knew that was a part of the foundation that God would have us to build for our marriage, you know, going forward. Tune in to By Design, Saturday afternoons at 4 Central on American Family Radio. Dr. Carl Truman from the American Family Studios documentary, The God Who Speaks. One of the things that a pastor has to do on a Sunday when he gets up in the pulpit is let people know that the reading and the exposition of Scripture is the most important thing that's going to happen to them that week. If the pastor has not communicated to his people with the very first sentence that comes out of his mouth on a Sunday morning that this is the most important thing you're going to hear that week, the pastor has failed in his job. Secondly, the pastor needs to preach in a way that helps people to read the Bible for themselves. Now, to clarify that, the purpose of preaching is not primarily to help people read the Bible for themselves. It's to expand Scripture and to confront them with the call of God on their lives. But a byproduct of that should be helping people to handle the Word of God responsibly for themselves. Visit thegodwhospeaks.org. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. And welcome back to AFA at the Core. Fred sitting in for a walker today. Well, you know, I, I think one of the toughest jobs right now, we're going to go to our phones in just a second here, folks. One of the toughest right, jobs right now is certainly being the White House press secretary because you kind of got to cover for your boss quite a bit. Uh, Karine Jean-Pierre is the uh, new press secretary uh, taking over from uh, Circle Back Saki, uh, who's left and gone to MSNBC. But yesterday she was uh, asked a question about Biden's claim. Uh, he spoke at the U.S. Naval Academy graduation back several days ago. Uh, they claimed that he was appointed to the U.S. Naval Academy. And... Uh, well, just listen to her response. Cut number 13. We don't have that. Okay. Not playing for us. Anyway, uh, her response was basically it, this, um, hmm, that I, I really didn't listen to that speech. And uh, she did a circle back sake on it. I'll have to get back to you on that. And the reality is he wasn't appointed to the U.S. Naval Academy. I don't know how he comes up with this stuff. Uh, he, he just seems to live in his own little world sometimes. And it's left up to the White House staff to try to correct things for him. This has been happening a lot less, uh, folks. You know, when he was in Asia uh, just several days ago, 
there was something that he said with regards to Taiwan and security there. Uh, he's talking about different types of weapons, and he's made mistakes on that front with regards to handguns and that sort of thing. And, and then a White House staff has to come along shortly behind uh, after he says these things and tries to correct it, and uh, resulting in a lot of tension uh, in the White House. Political ran a story just in the last few days saying a lot of people are leaving. Um, it really started with Vice President Harris. A lot of her staff up and went. They did not want to, to work with her any longer. So along with all of these issues that we're all familiar with, the gas prices, the grocery prices, all of those sorts of things, now there's great tension inside the White House and a blame game going back and forth. A political story said Biden's upset with the staff because he doesn't feel they're helping him enough. And He's looking at his poll numbers, and he's not happy with those. And then the staff are kind of you know, shaking their heads and saying, what are we going to do uh, with the president who keeps making these verbal faux pas? Uh, how to, how, we can't keep holding him up. So a lot of tension on that front. All right, let's go to our phones and go first to Texas. And we say good afternoon to Jessica. Jessica, go ahead, please. Oh, well, I was just um, going to make the comment about how um, I, I'm believing that whenever the elections come back around that I'm thinking something else is going to hit. I'm a kindergarten teacher, and I worried during COVID, and our school wasn't hit hard by it, but I got it during the break, and my granddaughter didn't get it, and I'm worried now that, say, smallpox is going to come back, and I'll have to quit my job teaching before I, uh, you know, keep myself out there to allow my granddaughter to get sick or to me to get it and pass it on to her. So I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on that. Are you think something else is going to hit us come around November time to keep us all at home again? Well, um, and I, I can't, <laughs> I can't make that prophecy. That's for sure. I can say they'll probably, uh, there could be a focus on if they see any increase in COVID cases, uh, that they may try the same kinds of things that they tried uh, in the 2020 election. Uh, but I, I think uh, many states are on to this now. At the very least, I don't think they'll make the uh, one of the mistakes that they made in 2020 was mailing out hundreds of thousands of unsolicited absentee ballots. In other words, uh, people didn't ask for ballots to be sent to them. They just shoved hundreds of thousands of ballots out, which just increased the potential for fraud. I don't think you will see that again. But you're going to see a push from the Democrats uh, if they can. Uh, the CDC can come up with numbers that suggest there might be another outbreak of some form of COVID. But, you know, they're running out of steam on that front as well. The reality is that we've now gone through the shot and a bunch of boosters and uh, there's only so much that you can do. The American public is in a different mood today than what they were in 2019 and 20. And they're starting to see people who are vaccinated are coming down with COVID again. All right. And in fact, an increasing number of vaccinated people are coming down with COVID. I was reading an article the other day about uh, Canada now right as it stands uh, requires a vaccine before you can enter that country. But they're now reconsidering things, and here's the reason why. They're saying, well, people with the vaccine, with the shot, with the boosters, are coming down with COVID. It doesn't make any sense to force people to get vaccinations to come in because our 
arguments for that vaccination are kind of dissipating. They're going away. So I think reality is catching up with the politically driven messages with regards to COVID. So I don't think the American people will tolerate the kinds of things that happened in 2020 under the guise of these things are necessary because of COVID, uh, because we know a whole lot more about COVID now and the fact that millions of people can get COVID again after having the shot, after having the boosters. So I think that's a big difference. To uh, Louisiana, uh, good afternoon, Alan. Go ahead. Hey, how are you guys doing today? We're doing great. That's good, exceptionally good. Uh, I'll just You can uh, elaborate on it. I'm just going to just throw this out there and, and I'll hang up. Um, the, the way we uh, ascribe gun violence, why do they call it gun violence? That seems like the wrong, um, that's the wrong description of what, what's happening. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Alan. You know, uh, a gun is not violent. It gets violent when somebody picks it up in their hands and goes out and determines in their, in their own mind, in their own hearts, that they are going to do damage to innocent people. And so uh, gun violence is a convenient name for the left, because they want to bring restrictions in on guns. We all know that. Uh, Unfortunately, in the wake of the Texas tragedy, uh, we knew once again uh, that the Democratic Party and Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, in fact, on the very night of that tragic incident, just over a week ago, he addressed the nation, and the initial part of his speech was right. It was presidential, bringing comfort. But then he went into his war dance against guns and against the freedoms that we have in this country under the Second Amendment. And so I I think the American people are being very careful about that. They know the scenario now, because going back to Barack Obama days, uh, you will remember what Rahm Emanuel, one of his advisors, said, one of his buddies from Chicago, uh, never let a tragedy uh, like these things go to waste. Use it for your political agenda. And I think that's what's happening now. But Guns in themselves are not violent. Uh, it's it's the perpetrators. It's the people who pick up those guns and do damage. And we have plenty of that today. I think it would help if we brought some laws in. I'm talking about places like New York that seem to allow people who commit violent crimes uh, just to walk. We have judges just let them go. And uh, they come back and they do even more serious damage uh, when they get out again. Carrie in Texas, go ahead, please. Yes, I wanted to bring up the situation about uh, President uh, Trump losing the election. I was saying that he did not lose the election, and everybody's watching the presidential uh, party, but yet and still, they're not, um, they, didn't, they didn't look at the Senate and the House. We did not lose the president, nor did we lose the Senate, nor the House, but no one is checking that out. That was illegally uh, obtained also. Well, Carrie, I, I know there are a lot of people who feel that way. Uh, unfortunately, rightly or wrongly, uh, we have courts right now that have not come up with verdicts uh, that would support that. But I think a lot of Americans believe that uh, things like I was just talking about, the uh, hundreds of thousands of unsolicited ballots going out, whether it was in Pennsylvania, uh, whether it was in uh, Georgia and other places, 
And I, I think that just contributed, I'll put it this way, to the potential for fraud. So I don't think we're going to, if we rely on the courts, we're ever going to get a resolve on what happened in 2020. However, I think states like Georgia and other jurisdictions are taking steps to ensure that some of the looseness in voting will not occur again. I know that's happening in Florida. They're taking steps to ensure that people have an opportunity to vote, uh, but they're not going to, what what they're cutting back on is the opportunity for fraud. They are not cutting back, unlike what the Democrats claim, on the ability of people to vote. We're talking about simple things, folks, like signing a ballot. We're talking about simple things like putting Social Security numbers in. As simple as that. That is not draconian. That is not something that infringes on people's voting rights. Are there even some jurisdictions, hey, listen, um, we'll send you, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get you some ID to help you as long as you're a citizen of this country. We'll get you some help. If you need some ID, we'll get that for you in advance. Uh, so this idea of infringement of voting rights, you know, when uh, Joe Biden went down to Atlanta there, was it in January, and made his little speech there? Uh, I, I tell you what, you know, the old Jim Crow too, I think was the phrase that he used there. I'm sorry, the American people aren't buying that anymore. The American people, for the most part, just want honest elections. They just want citizens of this country who want to vote, go out and vote, whatever party you decide to vote for, whatever candidate, you go ahead and do that. But the idea, the idea that somehow there are places in this country that would work against your right to vote, um, there isn't proof of that. All right, Mississippi, uh, we say hello to Scott. Good afternoon, Scott. Go ahead. Good afternoon, Fred. Hey, um, I'm just wondering, why is it that the conservative news media, I get most of my news from AFR, but some other outlets as well, um, why, do they have like an unwritten code or something that that you can't call out the deep state Republicans or what we call rhinos and hold them accountable for anything? Because I never, every time I hear y'all talk about the left, it's always Democrats, Democrats, Democrats. But the yep. Democrats aren't the whole problem. Oh, no. Listen, let me tell you, we have done stories on Liz Cheney. Uh, We've done stories on Lisa Markowski. Uh, We have done stories on Susan Collins. Uh, So they are all considered rhinos. Um, You know, there there are several others I perhaps could name. Um, Romney, um, all of those individuals. uh, We have certainly done stories on that. Uh, So, no, we're we're equal opportunity uh, critics. All right. When it comes to that, uh, all I can say is on behalf of the news service, because that's my overall job here as news director, um, what we look at is policy. And I think, you know, you're exactly right. There are many uh, Republicans today, or at least a, uh, I would say a handful overall uh, that are not dedicated to conservative politics. They are more Democrat in their thinking. And Liz Cheney is certainly one of them right now. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we do stories on that. We're doing ongoing stories on what she is facing in the way of opposition there in her home state. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, if you haven't heard those stories, I'm not sure why, uh, but you'll hear a lot of them as we get closer to election. But I appreciate you making the comment and uh, allowing us the opportunity to, uh, 
to defend ourselves. Daniel in North Carolina, good afternoon, sir. Hey, Fred. Uh, just quick, I know time's about out. You talked about how uh, these Democrats, you don't understand how they're going to sell these bad policies to the voters. I don't think they got to be really too worried about it once they control the voting machines and they got these pandemics in the labs and stuff. Uh, they don't really have to sell anything. Um, and even if the Republicans win every election in November, I, I, I just they're not going to give they're not going to give up power, just like the devil's never given up stolen territory. Those Democrats are not going to give up power. Uh, they got two months between November and January to get us into any kind of mess to keep from having that transfer of power. And I just, I hope I'm wrong in that. I just want to see what you, you had to say about that. You know, Daniel, I, I appreciate your comments. I understand the skepticism uh, based on, on what we have seen, uh, what we saw certainly in 2020. I understand the skepticism now that the truth is coming out about what happened in 2016 uh, with regards to the Democrat effort to discredit uh, candidate Donald Trump, and then the Trump administration uh, with the with the investigation, the so-called collusion between Russia and the Trump administration, which we now know was not true. So I understand the skepticism. But I think, you know, as we go along, we learn a lot more. We do have state governments that are putting things in place to try to avoid, to try to do their very best to avoid the kinds of problems that we have seen in the past. And we have to remember things like praying, folks, praying for honesty in our election system. All right, got to run. More great programming ahead here at American Family Radio. Fred Jackson sitting in for Walker today. Been my pleasure. And as I say, stay tuned for much more programming here. Great programming, information programming on American Family Radio. Bye for now. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.